Please stand for the reading of the word from Philippians chapter 1. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, Highland. It's good to see all of you, especially you that are online with us. It's good to have you with us. We're glad you're here. Um, well, I want to offer a special welcome, as Jeff said at the beginning of the service, uh, to all of our college students that are here. Uh, we know that the acre happened at 930 this morning, so most of our college students were there. But if you're here because... Man, you just moved in from out of state. This is your first time to ever really be in Abilene. Your folks dropped you off. You know, Wildcat Week is over, and now you're trying to figure out, like, okay, what, what's, what's my life like in Abilene? Uh, we want you to know that Highland is ready to be your family for the next four years. Um, we want you to know that we are ready to walk beside you, and we care about you, and uh, th that's very important to us. And, and to that end, if you are a freshman this year, and this is your first time to ever be at Highland, I have a special offer for you that I am going to force this congregation to uphold. You don't have a choice, congregation. I, I, this is just like preacher call. I get to make it. Um, if you are brand new here, this is your first time at Highland, you can go up to almost anyone in this congregation and say, hi, I'm brand new. I'm a freshman here. Uh, could you please take me to lunch? And they are obligated to take you to lunch. It's just like the rule of Highland. It's the way it is. Uh, even if they had plans to go take a nap, now they're taking you to Whataburger. They don't care. By the way, if, you, if you're from out of state, Whataburger is kind of awesome. You should check that out. Um, and by the way, church, if, if someone comes up to you and says, hi, I'm brand new here. It's my first year. I'm a freshman. Can you take me to lunch? Uh, you say yes. Uh, you love on that student. Deal? Deal. Good. If you fail, then I'm going to be embarrassed. Uh, second of all, uh, the reception for the Witchers is going to immediately follow uh, this service. Uh, Zane has poured his life for 10 years into this church, and the fruit of that work is everywhere you look. Um, you may see it uh, up front, or you may not see it, but it's happened behind the scenes in every which way direction. Um, Zane has been done 10 years of campus ministry, which kind of makes him like a campus minister granddad because he's had two generations behind him now, which is kind of awesome. So I want you to, to take a chance to thank him and Carolina for all of the good work that they've done immediately following this service. If you can't do that because um, you can't have time to stay, maybe you're taking a freshman to lunch, um, just write a quick card uh, on and on, put it in the box uh, as Jeff mentioned today. We're beginning a new series called Every, and it's going to be a study of the book of Philippians. And there's two commitments. I know I'm full of commitments today, but it's just the way it is. There's two commitments that I need you to make right now. 
The first commitment is for the next five weeks, you really need to be here in this room on Sunday morning. The reason why is because each uh, sermon is going to build on the next one. Each piece has to fit together. And so I really need you to be here on Sunday morning. So I'm going to help you to do that. The way I'm going to help you to do that is to ask you to say, I'm going to be here for the next five weeks. Can you say that, please? I'm going to be here for the next five weeks. You just saying that is going to create something that's going to make that for you. But for some of us, that's harder than others. And you might have to turn to the person next to you, especially if you rode in the same car with them and say, we're going to be here for the next five weeks. Can you do that for me? Turn to them. We're going to be here for the next five weeks. Now, I'm going to not be here for one of those five weeks um, because... I'm going to go preach over at the acre, and someone's going to be here from there. Uh, And so that's going to be a good thing. So if you have to take one skip, I get it. But do your very best. The second thing I want you to really do, this is going to be a textual series. And so if you have your Bible, bring your Bible to church on Sunday. If you have your phone, that's cool too, as long as you're using that Bible app. We have this rule here at Highland that says, like, I'm going to trust if I see you on your phone during the sermon that you're actually looking at the Bible and not... Angry Birds or whatever. So um, if you would, pull out your Bible or your phone and turn to Philippians uh, chapter 1. That's where we're going to begin today. This is a good series. This is a good time. This is timely for where we are in our lives together. If you got your Bible open, that's great. Um, But before we jump in, let's pray. Heavenly Father, who has reconciled the world to himself, through the power of love best shown by Jesus Christ, who gave up the presence of heaven, became in human likeness not only a human but a slave, not only a slave but obedient to death. And because of Christ's faithfulness and the obedience to death on a cross, you raised him up and you gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, as we open our hearts and our minds uh, and our imaginations to your word, I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching, that I might speak your truth and love. And it's together that the church says, amen. So at the beginning of every, almost every book in the New Testament, almost all of the epistles, uh, it starts with this kind of thanksgiving. And the thanksgiving is kind of a preamble. And if you read the thanksgiving carefully, You're going to hear the themes of what's going on in the book. You're going to hear what the author wants to tell you before they tell you. And so we're going to pay very careful attention when Paul says, I give thanks for you or I pray for you. Because that's the moment where he's going to tell us what's going to happen in the rest of the book. And what Paul is going to tell us in this Thanksgiving is how it started, how it's going, and how it's going to end. You've seen those pictures, right? How it started. It started with eye contact in the bean. It started with a DM on Insta. And then how it's going. It's going with the first date. How it's going to end, who knows. It started in that chapel with those two kids that looked really young, but man, they were really in love, and they had their family and their friends together all around them to support them as they made that promise, how it's going, like how it's going for us right now. Uh, We just had our first, our kindergarten, and I got to be honest with you, nearly somebody has fallen asleep almost every meal, uh, every dinner, and it's not always been the kids uh, this week. That's kind of how it's going and how it ends, who knows. 
How it started was that job offer to a city that you've never been to, to a company that you'd kind of heard about, and you just kind of put your faith that this is the right thing that God is leading to. What it led to was church community like you never knew would ever happen to you in your life. It was what God had been leading to you this whole time, and who knows how it's going to end or how it started with the opposite of an I do with the hope and expectation of something beautiful lost, with the severing of a relationship, with what feels like exile, and how it's going. New promise that you never knew would have happened. That God can take something out of the ashes of your life and make something beautiful, and how it ends, the hopeful expectation of God's promise. That's what Paul wants to talk about. He wants to talk about how it started, how it's going, and how it's going to end. Join with me in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 4. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began, God who began a good work in you will carry it uh, on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. How it, how it started. It started with, with a partnership. Paul and the Philippian church were partners from the very beginning, from the very start of Paul's work. And, and, he, and he calls, Paul calls that work ministry, he calls it a grace. A grace is a place where God's love is kind of poured out in a powerful way. And that's what he calls their relationship. It's a grace. It hasn't always been easy and it hasn't always been pretty. It hasn't always been clean. But there's something that happens when you go through something hard together. I mean, have you ever been through the muck with someone else? It was one of those seasons in your life that was terrible. It was hard. It was, it was work that you felt uncertain about. And when you see that person again, maybe they're on your team or maybe with somebody in your family, you haven't seen them for years and you run into them again and you feel that bond immediately. It's because you were in the muck together. For me, one of those experiences happened this week. It was uh, Ben Seibert and I came through grad school together, and one of the first classes we took was Intro to Old Testament, talked by Dr. John Willis, uh, who is one of our elders here at Highland. Now, John Willis, in, in his undergraduate classes, carried this jar of cookies, and he would have cookies for any student that wanted one. And by the second day, he knew the names of all 105 students that was in his survey class, all of them by name. He even knew details. How's your mom doing? I heard she wasn't feeling so well. He was this caring, confident, loving grandfather. It's kind of what you want when you want a Bible class, the most nurturing, kind, sweet environment you could possibly care for. John Willis in grad school is a slightly different story. And, and, and ben, ben mentioned, he was talking about a place that he used to live and, and an apartment where he started out. And, and, and he mentioned like, yeah, I remember staying up really late one night trying to finish this, this uh, outline that we had to do of Isaiah. And I knew immediately what he was talking about in that moment because I can remember exactly how late at night it was when I was trying to write that outline of Isaiah. And the reason I remember that outline of Isaiah is because when I got it back, it was red, front to back, top to bottom, red. And I had that experience, and I thought, I'm never going to write that poorly again. Advanced intro to the Old Testament taught me how to write better than any English class I had ever had. And I went through the muck. 
with Ben. Maybe for you it was when you were in high school and you had two-a-days and you just, you were physically exhausted at the end of every day. You've never slept so hard and well in your life. And those, those fellows that you, you, you went with, whenever you see them, you feel that sense of, of camaraderie. Maybe it's raising babies together because you're exhausted all night and you, you're so happy during the day. And, and there's just something that happens when you raise children in community. I had a friend of mine that uh, he, he was a twin. He and his brother were identical twins. And his dad had the opportunity to take off work from like 3 to 5.30 every day. He would stay up late to finish his job, but he would come home from 3 to 5. And during those two hours, he would take those twin babies and let his wife leave. And she could just go do whatever she needed to do, anywhere she needed to do it. She just didn't have to stay there. And that, that two hours of being there to handle those twins to an exhausted mom, my friend said, they had fights for the rest of the time that, you know, I was growing up. But when I was 10 years old, the dividend of what my father did of being present with his wife during the muck saved every one of their relational fights. If you've been through something hard together, if you've experienced something meaningful together, even if it's difficult, it creates a bond. And that's the work that Paul calls grace. I want us to notice all the alls in this text. Look at your Bible in, in uh, verse 4, and I'm going I'm to translate it a little bit. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Why in the world is Paul using so many alls when he starts this off? Why does he need to be so inclusive of everyone in the church at Philippi? We're going to find out that answer as we go on. So that's how it's been, but let's talk about how it is because Paul quickly moves. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, now wait just a second. He's not talking about some sort of figurative metaphorical chains. He's talking about real chains. How it started was kind of awesome, doing the, going through the muck and having this bond of relationship. But how it is right now isn't that great. Because Paul is suffering in prison. And in the first century, you didn't suffer in prison for crimes. You were put in prison awaiting trial, not for punishment after a trial. And the mention of the Praetorian Guard in chapter 4 means that this is probably a Roman situation, which means that Paul is either in Rome or in Ephesus or a few other places, but it's not good. But it's Paul wants to let them know it's not he who's on trial, it's grace. When it's time for Paul to show up before the judge or magistrate or whatever, it's not going to be Paul in the docket. It's going to be the gospel. And Paul is confident that the gospel will be vindicated. And the reason that the gospel is on trial is because of the counter-revolutionary power of grace. But even in that time, even in that hardship, there is deep affection for Paul and this Philippian church. That's how it started. It's not going so well. But Paul doesn't want to linger there because he wants to tell them all about how it will be. He writes, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. How it's going to be is this promise of the day of Christ. Now, that's a reference to an Old Testament text in Joel called the day of the Lord. And Paul's kind of grabbing that language and, and baptizing it into what does it mean. It's this, this hope that the Philippian church will be formed into the people of God. That we, like them, may be wise enough to discern what is best, to, to understand, to gather that harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus. What Paul wants more than anything else is for the church to be good to each other. It's like a parent's vision of their children as siblings because they know that the legacy of their family will outlive them. And their hope is that the brothers and sisters, even after they're gone, will be good to each other. God who began a work in you will bring it, bring it to completion. See, I think what Paul sees in the story of the church in Philippi is the work of the Spirit. It's the thread that weaves how it started and how it's going and how it's going to end all together. And we who have eyes of faith, we believe that how it started and how it's going isn't really as important as how it's going to end because we believe that what God began as work, God will bring to completion. The God who never fails will not fail you. And the God who never breaks promises will not abandon you. The God who is never late will not leave you. And the God who began a good work will finish it in you. God leaves nothing unfinished. And it's true for you. And it's true for us. And it's true for the world. And part of that work is the work of holiness. Learning to love the right things. And that is, without a doubt, a refining process. And what it means to refine is that you take the things that aren't pure out. What that means for you spiritually is that it takes the things that aren't you, aren't the things that God desires, out. And sometimes that's painful to let those things go. Sometimes that puts you in difficult places in order to get where you want to go. Refining means not giving up on the you parts so that you can be completely who God made you to be. God has an image for you exactly who you're supposed to be. And God loves you so much that he's, he's willing to bring that out of where you are. And so throughout this series, um, we're going to engage in this art project that we have back there. And the way that we're going to engage in it is in, with ribbons. And uh, it would be easy for us to have you hang a ribbon every week, but I, that's not very practical. And so what we're going to do throughout the course of this week is, is hang a ribbon for every person that's in this room, every person that's in first service. Every week you're going to have a ribbon that's yours, although you don't want to hang it. But the question that I want you to ponder this week for your ribbon is what is the work that God is finishing in you? What did God start? And you know you're not there yet, and you know that there is, a, there is an ideal place where God wants you to be, and you're just somewhere in process. What is the work that God has begun in you that he is bringing to completion, that, that God wants to finish? 
Where is that part in your life and in your relationships? And what I'd like you to do this week is to ponder that question and to think on it and, and maybe think of that answer. And then next week when you see all of those ribbons that answer that question for you, pick one that's yours and know that's what it is. God is working on my heart to create in me more patience. God is working in my mind to purify thoughts that don't belong. God is giving me courage to do the thing I know I need to do. What is the work that God, is, God began in you, that God began in us, that will lead to completion? Pray with me, please. Holy Father, Lord of heaven and earth, we ask your blessing now on our church, on the churches throughout, they're scattered around this globe for you. Uh, Father, please finish the work that you started. We trust your promise that you are who you say you are, and you will do what you say you will do. So make that work finished in us. It is through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.